Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Bechet, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum, where experts provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. On this episode of the AAF Exchange, we'll discuss the upcoming State of the Union with AAF's Douglas Holtzegen. Doug, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Let's just jump right into things today. Next week, President Biden will deliver his State of the uh, Union address, which will certainly focus on the situation in Ukraine, as well as the president's Supreme Court nominee. Um, But we can't lose sight of his uh, domestic agenda and the policies from that. But, you know, before we jump into the coming year, let's review uh, the Biden administration's major initiatives over its first year in office. Uh, We'll run through some of those issues in turn, if that works for you. Let's start with the Biden administration's response to the COVID-19 and those, you know, how they're combating the virus. I think they get a mixed record at best. Uh, You know, they come into the the year and uh, there are really two fronts on which you can uh, combat the virus. One is uh, on vaccines and uh, the second is on things like testing and uh, therapies and, and the other uh, are sort of weapons in that arsenal. You know, the the vaccine has proven to be divisive. Uh, and I don't think you can lay that entirely at the feet of the administration. But uh, there's nothing they did that eased the, the tensions over uh, being vaccinated uh, one way or the other. And so that, that's not a, a, a strong point in their record. They flat dropped the ball on the on the rapid testing. Uh, rapid testing was the great promise of uh, of 2021, and, and it just didn't happen. So, uh, in a way that was entirely predictable, we saw a big wave of infections in the, the late fall and, and early winter. We'd seen that the year before. Uh, that's that's the cycle we should expect. The testing wasn't ready for that, and that 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 really was a, a big, um, I think, negative mark. Uh, the fact that it, there was also some mutation into the uh, Omicron variant um, couldn't have been forecast, but, but but made the vaccines less effective. So the mistake was even more costly. So you have you have that set of issues on the public health front, which I think going forward they they can't repeat that error. That would be that would be crucial. The, the second kind of response is on the economic policy front, and and they entered the year and passed the American Rescue Plan, the 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus, and. I think that was just a major policy error. Uh, it wasn't necessary. The economy was growing at six and a half percent. It was way too big. We've been through that a number of times on the podcast. Uh, it wasn't well designed, and a lot of it had nothing to do with uh, the, the the virus. It had a lot to do with the domestic policy agenda that, that they wanted to implement with Build Back Better. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the stimulus, and uh, of course, the mass massive expansion of entitlements. Um, the American Rescue Plan, as you mentioned, to the, you know, the American Jobs Plan and the American Families Plan, of course, the Build Back Better Act, which sort of encompasses all that. What what are your thoughts on the past year with those programs? Well, I mean, they passed one thing, which was the bipartisan infrastructure um, uh, legislation. And, and that, I think, is a very sensible piece of legislation. It's not a home run because bipartisan things rarely are. You sort of don't get everything you want in the process of getting to to yes on both sides, but uh, it will produce about a half a trillion, five hundred million dollars of new infrastructure spending on ports, roads, bridges, uh, things that think you think of as core infrastructure, including broadband, which in the twenty first century has proven to be core infrastructure. So um, I, I think that's a very uh, uh, positive step and one that uh, everybody involved deserves credit for. 
administration, Congress, Republicans, Democrats alike. It's not a game changer, however. It, it, it doesn't do anything really this year, one way or another. It won't do anything next year, one way or another. It takes time to, to implement this. And then over 10 years, you'll, you'll get some modest uh, positive economic benefits from it. That's a good thing. So that that's the positive. Then comes the collection of uh, letters, American Family Plan, American Jobs Plan, AJPs, AFPs, then BBVAs. You know, we end up with the Build Back Better Act, which changes on a daily basis. But the fundamental structure of it is really pretty constant, and that is big upfront expansions uh, by setting up new social safety net programs, you know, child credits, paid family leaves, child care subsidies, you know, initially free college education, uh, the, the clean energy slash climate change initiatives, um, you know, expansions of uh, subsidies in the Affordable Care Act, so some health things. Um, so you have this enormous upfront spending push uh, that is uh, setting up big new programs and that that front end spending push is paid for over 10 years by by higher taxes. Well, if you just take that and look at the numbers, it's spend now, pay for it later. That's just another stimulus on the heels of the American Rescue Plan. That's a, that's a really bad idea. Um, the way it, quote, adds up is to sort of take those big new programs and pretend they go away after either two, three or five years, depending on the program. Well, that, of course, is not the intent. So if you looked at everything fully uh, phased in for 10 years, it doesn't even come close to adding up. It's off by about two and a half trillion dollars. And so we have a, a new structural deficit layered on top of an existing structural deficit that leads to unsustainable debt issuance. So that's that's just, I think, no way that passes a, a laugh test as a good idea for this country at this moment. Yeah. The other word, you know, we've heard a lot over the last year or so has been jobs. Um, with an emphasis on union jobs, um, the economy and the American competitiveness. What 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 do you what do you make of the last year on this front? Well, not much has actually happened, but I I think they've laid the groundwork uh, in the regulatory state by spending the year repealing Trump era uh, uh, rulemakings so that they can you know reimpose the the sort of uh, Obama era vision of a much more heavily unionized, much more mandated uh, labor market, one that's much more rigid. They'd love to get rid of gig workers and have everyone be a full, full-time uh, employee, have no independent contractors, everyone gets treated as an employee, get rid of the franchise model so that everyone is actually employed by the, the, the top uh, brand name. You know, all of those things are, are in the offing. They didn't happen last year, but they certainly uh, signal their intention to go there. Uh, no question about it. And and the initiative runs at cross purposes with other things they want to do. So, it, you know, they, they want to have big, uh, new utility scale, uh, green energy and solar and uh, wind. And uh, they want that to be built by union jobs, which just makes it much, much, much more expensive. And so do you want to be able to have a big climate initiative or not? You know, you have to decide what priorities are. And you know, if you step back, I think one of the fair criticisms of the, the Biden administration is they showed no ability to set priorities and say, this is important. This we, we care about, but it's less important. We're going to go with this. Instead, it was we're going to do everything. And, and that just doesn't add up. Yeah. My next question was going to be on uh, the climate agenda. What, what's been going on there in the last year? Um, not a lot. Again, if, if you follow the 
the weekend regulation, you'll, you'll know that the Biden administration had the most expensive first year of any administration we've ever tracked, $200 billion in regulatory costs. Uh, that was largely due to an emissions rule that came out of the EPA and, uh, and applied to cars, auto, uh, motor vehicles. And, and that's different from the CAFE standards that will come out of the Department of Transportation, the miles per, per gallon stuff. That's also coming. But that's that's the leading edge of, of the climate regulatory push. And uh, we'll see more of that now. None of the things that they thought they'd do and build back better are going to happen, in my view. So this is going to be a strictly regulatory push in the years to come. Yeah. So the last thing we heard about a year ago now on the domestic policy front was uh, taxing the rich. That was a big line that they were coming out with last year. Where where are we on that? Nowhere. Again, the vehicle for tax increases is the Build Back Better Act, which is stalled. Um, I I believe it is, it's uh, uh, not crazy to think that if they're going to pull pieces out of that at some point in 2022 and pass them, pieces that are likely to get pulled are the tax pieces. Um, there's a, a big contingent um, in the House in particular that, that believes that we should tax the rich for the sake of taxing the rich. Who cares if it's harmful to the economy? Who cares um, if it's not a particularly good tax policy? It, 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 they just need to be punished. It's not a sentiment I share. I don't think that's how you should think about tax policy. But but that's out there. And so we may yet see uh, some life in that front. It's worth keeping an eye on. Um, so that's a perfect opportunity to move back into 2022. Let's jump back into that. The big question is, will the Biden administration stay the course on big government expansion, the progressive BBA? style initiatives, or will it pivot? Um, and if so, to what? So what do you think is going to happen uh, next Tuesday? Well, I think next Tuesday, um, you know, as you said at the outset, um, will be dominated by foreign policy considerations, especially Russia and the Ukraine. It, it'll, it'll have a fair amount of uh, judicial issues, Supreme Court justice, as well as right to vote, things like that, you know, big part of their initiative. And so there won't be much time for the domestic policy agenda. I think just as a matter of the arithmetic. To me, that says you get another sort of high level call for the elements of the Build Back Better initiative. These are things Americans want and deserve. Uh, this Congress failed to do that, but I still believe in it. Sort of rhetoric without much specific saying this stuff's good. I proposed it on the campaign trail. It was good then, still good now but not, nothing like a roadmap of how they're gonna get it because they can't get it. And um, the alternative is to say, okay, we understand that's not gonna happen. I want these three things and, and set those priorities. I think that's unlikely. That's a, that's a sales job that they would have to do in advance. So right now they would have to be getting all the Democrats on board to echo the president and say, yes, we agree. That has proven very difficult to do. They, can't, they just can't get people to agree on a smaller subset. That's been the, that's why they can't get it through. So I don't, I just don't see how they engineer that. So I think you get a high level call for the same thing, knowing it can't happen. And then you go back uh, behind closed doors and try to figure out the next steps. Interesting. Okay. So let's, let's pretend um, you've been hired to help the Biden administration, the pre president Biden reshape his domestic policy agenda. What are the areas on which he should focus? Um, and what, what should he do? Uh, let's start with inflation. What, what what advice would you give the administration on this issue? So the inflation, as everyone knows, has come from a combination of supply chain problems. Well, that's 
just the coronavirus uh, manifesting itself around the globe. And and so do not take your eye off the pandemic virus control efforts. That's an anti-inflation effort. It's indirect. You're probably not going to get a lot of credit for it. But if you want to deal with that, you got to you got to deal with, with the, the coronavirus. And so um, I think they should not take their eye off the ball a second year. Stay on that really tightly. Number two, uh, create no further problems. And, and here's where they, they start having trouble because further problems would be pass build back better or something like that. A spending bill, they want to do that, but they shouldn't. Um, it also means don't put a lot of cost pressure on businesses through the regulatory state and they're planning to. So they, they're in a little bit of a box on inflation. The way they are dealing with this so far, um, I think is unsatisfying. They've got a uh, let's let's blame big corporations um, uh, explanation for inflation that doesn't make any sense. And, and anyone who looks at it carefully just says, no, that's just that's just wrong. Um, by the way, 99.9% of the firms in the U.S. economy are small firms, some small businesses. So, you know, it just does, it doesn't make any sense. So that hasn't worked. And now they're doing, I feel your pain. Yes, inflation is painful. I, I don't think that's enough. I think they ought to uh, genuinely stand up and say, look, we care a lot about this inflation. We're, we do understand it's, it's harming Americans. We believe that it's the primary job of the Federal Reserve to get this under control. And we are going to support a genuinely independent Fed they can to take this on as their primary responsibility. So whatever you might have heard, we are not going to nominate people who are going to go over there and do climate change. We're not going to nominate people who go over there and deal with uh, inequality across genders, communities of color, income, whatever it may be. We are going to stick to price of uh, stability and full employment. That would be a good message for them because they're, they're, their nominees are, are caught up in this suspicion that they're trying to add new uh, mandates to what the Fed's up to. And the, the Fed's got a hard enough job just dealing with this. <laughs> they, they should just back it up. Yeah, it seems like they should stay singularly focused on that and let yeah. the politicians figure out the other issues. Um, getting getting people back to work in the larger economy, that's, that's another area that seems to be needed on the agenda. What advice would you give here? This is a hard one uh, because we now have all sorts of metrics of reduce supply of labor. If the labor force participation rate is not recovered to where it was before the pandemic, uh, it now appears as well that for those who are willing to be in the labor force, they're not willing to work as much as they were before. Like we have some statistical indicator, but none of these statistics tells us why. And so we don't have an answer to the question, why has labor force participation fallen? Why have desired hours of work fallen? And as a result, we don't know what to do to reverse it. So. In circumstances like that, again, first, do no harm. So don't load up the social safety net with a lot of incentives to not work because you already have that problem. Uh, number two, um, you know, where possible, improve the work incentives. And, and that private markets do that pretty well, you know, with wages increases thing. But you, know, you want to support that where you can. Um, and, you know, listen to people, right? If people are quitting their jobs and things, then, you know, there, there are jobs out there. We just have to uh, let people know that they're they're available for people who have the skills to go get them. And, and I'd, I'd worry about the skills more than anything else. But that takes time. So finally, what about new government programs? And more importantly, the uh, addressing the current government programs. What what advice would you give on this front? They have never articulated a goal on the fiscal front. They, they, there's never been a, I want to cut the deficit in half in the next four years. Uh, I'd like to have the debt 
stabilize relative to GDP over the next decade and a half or whatever. Just, just some articulation of where they would like the federal budget to go is the starting point for then forcing a recognition that you have to put Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, Affordable Care Act, the existing social safety net on a financially stable path. And, and none of them are on that. They, we have trust fund exhaustions and four years for hospital insurance, uh, over 10 years for Social Security. Uh, all of this needs to be reformed in a way that, it, that will make it viable and in the process to clean up all this the red ink that, that's coming out of there. On, on, when you look prior to the pandemic, Medicare by itself was responsible for a third of all federal debt outstanding. Right. Well, that's fundamentally unsustainable. It needs, needs to be dealt with. They've not said a word about the programs. They've not said a word about how you deal with the red ink. So I would I would encourage them to, to get ahead of the curve because it's going to have to happen. And if you're going to have to do something, you might as well position yourself to take credit for doing it. And they're not doing that right now. Seems like everybody likes the shiny new programs, but nobody wants to deal with those those uh, that the, those old boxes in the corner and uh, get those back to where they need to be. But uh, Doug, thanks for joining us and breaking this all down. It'll be interesting to watch the State of the Union next week and see see what the administration comes out with. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that on the next podcast. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode, where our experts will provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic issues. I'd also encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes, and also follow us on social media to learn more about AAF. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play.